Today on Happy Sag Confused, Avengers Infinity War directors Joe and Anthony Russo spoil everything. I mean it. They spoil everything. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to a very special edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. As I said, this is a spoiler special. If you have not seen Avengers Infinity War, don't listen any further. This is not the way to do it. Go see it in a theater with an audience. Listen to the gasps and enjoy the, the, the moments that shock you and your fellow patrons because this is the kind of movie that demands an audience experience. I've seen the film twice with an audience uh, and it blew me away both times. It's a, it's a very bold piece of storytelling. Uh, these guys really took some chances uh, 10 years into the MCU and it, it's the kind of film that that I think demands this kind of conversation. And I think this was therapeutic in some way, certainly for me and I think for these guys too, to talk about why they did what they did. Why Gamora? Why, um, uh, you know, Loki and Heimdall? Why that ending? Um, what happens going forward to Cap and the original Avengers, Tony Stark and Thor? Um, a lot of, of nitty gritty questions in this conversation, a lot of broad questions in this conversation. And I think they were as, as forthright as they possibly can be. They're still holding a lot of secrets close because we do have the conclusion to the story uh, with Untitled Avengers 4. It'll be titled something better than that when it comes out next summer. So uh, in the meantime, I think this, this conversation will um, hopefully illuminate and um, aid your enjoyment of, of Avengers Infinity War. And hopefully it'll get you just as excited to see it again and to look forward uh, with great anticipation the fourth installment of uh, the Avengers films and, and the one that I think will truly... Um, both end a chapter and begin a new chapter for the MCU. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, great guys. I had them on the podcast uh, just a few months ago when I saw them at Slam Dance, uh, and it's just a funny juxtaposition to go from Slam Dance, this tiny, weird little film festival in in Park City, Utah, uh, to the height of Hollywood movie making, and that is certainly the journey of these guys. Look, look them up. They've had quite the career and have reinvented themselves as you know, the, the blockbuster filmmakers of, of the day and, uh, and, you know, and more power to them that they are able to operate on this level. It is a, a kind of filmmaking that very few, uh, can achieve and they are, they're hitting it out of the park. It's, it's working with audiences. This movie, as I tape, this is made over a billion. It's probably made a billion and a half dollars by now. And, uh, it's, uh, it's doing all right. They're doing good. Anyway, I'll get right to the conversation because there's 45 minutes of spoiler talk on Avengers Infinity. We're waiting for your ears right now. As always, please remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Spread the good word of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, it makes this podcast worth doing if I know that you guys are listening and enjoying it. So uh, without any further ado, here they are, Joe and Anthony Russo. Well, two uh, men that are uh, that deserve a rest, but I'm not going to give a rest for the next 45 minutes are in my office. Joe and Anthony Russo, good to see you guys. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing you. well. I'm doing yeah. well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. We're happy. Tired, we, uh, tired but happy. We started rolling cameras in January of 17, wrapped in January of 18, edited Infinity War until April 7th when we handed it over to Disney. 
for distribution and got on a plane like two hours after we handed the film over and um, haven't stopped since. So we're that's that's where we're at at the You're moment. You're running on the fumes of, of money burning <laughs> up in right. a good way. That's right. <laughs> Billion dollars yeah. and counting as we as we sit here. Um, yeah, I mean, as I just said in the intro and I said to you guys, uh, it's been about a week and a half at when people start to hear this uh, since the movie's been out. So this is this is the conversation to hear after you've seen the movie. Spoiler right. warnings galore. We're going to get into uh, as much as you guys are willing to get into. I know there's a lot that you uh, need to keep uh, uh, close for the next year at least. Yeah. We'll do another one of these in a year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we can really talk. Then we can really get into it. <laughs> but this is this is a movie that demands, I think, this kind of like second and third look. I, I saw it for the second time the other day. And... Um, Man, it is a, it's an achievement. It's also a bold piece of storytelling. And I think a lot of people, myself included, um, it took a second to wrap my brain around yeah. what I had just seen because um, you knew you were taking some big risks in terms of, I mean, I, we could just list them. I mean, yeah. your, your villain is your protagonist. You kill, get rid of whatever we want to say, half of your heroes by the end of the film. Um, or as we like to put it, Thanos saves the universe. <laughs> right, it's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, right. a certain point of view, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of your, you know, ostensibly supporting characters are m- carrying more of the load in mm-hmm. this one. You know, Cap yeah. doesn't have a huge mm-hmm. role. So I'm, I'm curious. I guess when you started to unleash this on the world, what was was there a concern that the audience wouldn't go to one of these places? What was the biggest hurdle that you were worried about the audiences oh. getting? There's a certain calculus to the storytelling. Uh, and uh, it started in Winter Soldier. And Ant and I like these game changers. We like deconstructing mythology. Uh, and, uh, you know, end of Winter Soldier, uh, it uh, rips S.H.I.E.L.D. apart. End of Civil War, it rips uh, the Avengers apart. End of Infinity War, it rips the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe apart. So I think we've slowly been leading the audience towards this uh, this big revelation yeah. or this big uh, climactic moment. Um, and it's important for us because um, these are the kinds of stories we like and they're the stories we like to tell. And I don't know if we know how to tell them any other way than that there are stakes and bad things can happen. And sometimes villains win. You know, that's the it's a little bit of the world we live in right now. Did yeah, certainly. Did 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 any of those things that I just rattled off and you start to rattle off like feel like a an actual risk that you were? I mean, in comics, yes, the comic audience is kind of used to this yeah. storytelling. This is actually the most. It struck me. It's almost the most comic book mm-hmm. booky film I've ever seen in, in many respects. Like I'm used to as a you know kid growing up on one page being on one planet on one yep. side of the universe and the next page you're on the other side. Yep. Um, so yeah, a com- comic audience is maybe used to this, but a film audience maybe less so. I mean, look, it, we, it, it, this is a great question, but we, we, we like to, Joe and I just like to make a hardcore commitment to store, serving story and serving character. And what is the most surprising thing we can do? What is the most challenging thing we can do? Where can we take ourselves as filmmakers that we didn't expect to go? Uh, that's what we're always chasing because we want to create an experience for the audience and for ourselves that is surprising and fresh and different and exciting. And um, so I think, you know, everything you're talking about in terms of risks, I mean, I think we knew that, that the movie was risky, certainly, but we knew that there was so much more to be gained over the hardcore commitment of putting yourself at risk, putting the movie at risk, putting the franchise at risk, you know, uh, than to be gained over trying to protect those things. Nothing has value unless it has an ending. Right. 
you know. And uh, this is the final chapters of the book that Marvel's been writing for the last decade. There'll be a new book written after this, but right. let's let you know. Let, let's end this with a bang. Let's do something uh, compelling and uh, and thought provoking. Okay, so let's start to get into some of the nitty gritty stuff. So the film starts. Uh, Picks up in some ways off the heels of, of Ragnarok, uh, and you're kind of coming mid battle. Was that always the the opening? Was that scene always intended to be the? Opening? Uh, I mean, we had gone through Far many iterations yeah. of this script. There were a lot of different drafts. I mean, the story played out in lots of different ways. And part of what you do in a movie like this, because there is no template for it, nobody's ever taken you know this many pre-existing franchises and tried to combine them in one film. So we really couldn't look at anything as a template for it. Uh, there was a real discovery process over a course of a year and a half. I think this scene in particular... It was when uh, This scene came about when we really started to commit to Thanos as the central character of the movie. You and know, the that, notion that we wanted a smash-and-grab film, which was a movie that starts at go and doesn't stop until you get off at the end. Right, and it also sets up for the audience that anyone is at risk here because you without question a, a bunch of characters yeah. right, the first three right. Yeah, we wanted the stakes are high and to know that the stakes were real and that the movie was going to go to a tonally complicated place and you know we do that from Jump Street Thanos dispatches of the the you know the the reigning villain of the Marvel universe within five minutes of the opening of the film right and not to mention uh, very key is that um, that fight between him and Hulk, Hulk which sets right. up like our you know our greatest warrior yeah. is just pulverized yes yeah. Thanos is a is the Genghis Khan of his universe mm -hmm. uh, Hulk fights through rage and uh, you know it's a bit you know it's a messy process when the Hulk fights yeah. Thanos is precise and uh, incredibly well trained and um, you know un unbeatable one-on-one -on, -one on a battlefield so we wanted to illustrate to the audience by dismantling the Hulk uh, graphically yeah. uh, and violently that um, that uh, they that they didn't you know the the, the Avengers one-on-one uh, -on -one or alone did not have a chance against him yeah, what, this was something new. Let's let's talk a, a little bit about some of the, the people we lose in, the, in those first scenes because obviously these are all very carefully considered uh, discussions. So Heimdall, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, um, is that who Thor is referring to? By the way, like, later on, he talks about like his best friend. Steps to the heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So um, was I mean Heimdall and in particular Loki, who you know, uh, obviously a fan favorite and. Um, as we thought of, we've lost a couple times at least already. Um, no resurrections this time. That's clearly a, a line that was yeah. very important to to deliver and say this time. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did uh, how did Idris? How did Tom take that news? Was that? I mean, I think discussion? it's distressing to anyone who's been working on something for the better part of a decade. But uh, again, I think everyone also understands that you can't continue to play these characters forever. It's, yeah. We're not. Comics, you can keep redrawing characters at you know the same age for decades, right? right? We're all aging, and uh, <laughs> not yourself, but you and there keep are going. there are new ideas. <laughs> there are new That's ideas and new stories to tell. Look at the incredible success of Black Panther. Yeah. There's there's a new direction that the the Marvel universe needs to go in that is you know speaks to where society is today and how audiences are reacting to storytelling that that was not the same as it was a decade ago. And I think they can make much more interesting choices moving forward. Forward, mm. uh, when we close the uh, close the final page of this book, were, were those two particular deaths? I mean, you've talked a little bit about like, you know, Thanos is your protagonist, but Thor almost is. He's key. You've talked about how he kind of goes through the hero's journey up to a point. You think yep. he almost is going to fulfill that? He hands promise. it off, yeah. and and he should really strip him of everything yeah. at, the, at the start of this. Yes. Yeah, that's what seems to be the purpose of that in some ways. With Thor, yeah, I mean, look, we we love. 
I think that you know we entered the the Marvel Cinematic Universe with with Winter Soldier, and there there was one th- you know one thing that we loved about working with that character of Cap in that movie is the fact that he had had everything taken away from him. Right. You know, he had he's a man out of time. He had lost all his loved ones. His government that he used to serve had changed. He didn't he didn't have anything to rely on, and that's a a great way to get at a very human dimension of the character. Mm. And Thor, what excited us about the end of Ragnarok was the fact that Thor was entering a very similar phase in the, the destruction of Asgard. And so we wanted to sort of keep pushing that forward and take everything from this guy and figure out what's left on a humanity level when that happens to a character and then watch him make his road back from that moment. And I think that's, you know, the part of the rousing uh, part of uh, Thor's journey in this movie is that he incrementally works his way back to to try to right what has been wrong. Right. And it's the misdirection. You also want to believe that this character deserves this. He deserves to win the movie. Yeah. And had he gone for the head, he might have. And exactly. And yeah, and seeing it with the audience a couple of times, yeah. as I'm sure you've experienced, uh, I feel like the audience is conditioned and like they're so excited. Mm-hmm. Like his, he, his re-entrance yeah. towards the end, it feels like we know it's to go. And that would have been fine in some yeah. ways. I think the audience would have accepted that yeah. and enjoyed it. Um, okay, so one key uh, loss. I mean, maybe one of the emotional high points in a film filled with emotional high points is Gamora's mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice or Thanos' sacrifice of Gamora. Um, so was that done in consultation? I mean, all this is in consultation with Feige and the brain trust, I would think. But like in particular for James Gunn, mm-hmm. plotting some Guardians, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy movies, is that something you had to... No, Marvel's very good yeah. about allowing every director to have their their freedom, and um, you know, we there's no lot, like, we, yeah. basically it is we we settle on a story that we want to tell, mm-hmm. and then we present that to Marvel, and we didn't we got no pushback from that choice. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that Kevin had a we didn't have a direct conversation with James about the Gamora choice, but I'm sure that you know certainly Kevin did, um, and there was no pushback on it, so it was uh, you know. Uh, for us, I think, again, at the end of the day, it's like, and part of the reason we've made four movies with Marvel is that they're very good at, like, allowing each movie to be what it needs to right. be. And nothing is sacred. And any, you know, they, they take risks. And they've gotten better at taking risks, I think. We can, you know, illustrate it by their run of Ragnarok, Homecoming, Black Panther, and now this movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, that there was a, a, you know, a change of guard at Marvel uh, uh, quite a few years back that just really allowed for... Um, more significant creative freedom, and uh, it's 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 highlighted our, our our time there. So they've been great about allowing us to make really extreme choices and you know game changers at the end of each of these films that we've worked on with them, and they're all deconstructionists where we're tearing apart things that they've built up left and right. right. So uh, uh, they've been super supportive, and I think they realize that this is an innovator's market, and um, that you know what's driving theatrical uh, film going now is social media. And films that drive a conversation on social media are proving to be the most successful films. And certainly the you know, intent with a movie like this is, um, is to um, create, uh, uh, provoke thought and provoke conversation. Mission accomplished. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, Ke- Kevin and Marvel have a, a tremendous discipline that we've admired ever since we started with Winter Soldier is that they, they have this philosophy and it's, 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 I think it's the key to all their success is they treat it one movie at a time. Mm. A lot of people like to think that, okay, oh, there's some grand plan and it's all evolving and it's all laid out. It's like there is a very, very loose plan that frequently changes radically. You know, it's like, and, but it, they, they know that every movie needs to have the freedom to become the most surprising 
uh, uh, satisfying, interesting version of what it wants to be. Mm. And you can't let future ideas, the possibility of future ideas, hamstring. Yeah, you have to make the best movie of the moment. Exactly, and that is really you'll never get to the end of your plan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do see Thanos and Young Gamora towards the end of the film, Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe you said that this is. Essentially, within the, the Soul Stone, we're seeing it that, is. That's... It's it's an orange uh, uh, world that they're in. Um, right. uh, you know, again, because he's on the hero's journey in the movie, uh, and we did point that out that there's a correlating journey happening in the film between Thor and Thanos. Certain characters make very human choices in the in the movie that are very tragic that that shift the direction of the storytelling. Quill makes that choice uh, on Titan when he hit, punches Thanos in the face. Thor makes that choice when he puts plunge of the axe into Thanos' chest right. uh, uh, because he wants to tell him that he would get him. You know, that this was this his payback. This little bit of a... Moment, it is. Yeah. If he had not made that decision, had he gone for the kill, uh, the, they wouldn't be in this situation. So uh, um, for Thanos at the end of the movie, this is part of his hero's journey, is that, um, you know, we once again put him face-to-face with the only thing that he cared about. Uh, where he has to own up to the emotional cost of what he's done in the movie. Would, would uh, Thor and Quill then seem to have to face that choice in future movie? I, I would to reckon with that. I, I would think so. I mean, it gives us certainly rich territory to explore with those characters. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, it begs the question, and it's a hard question to answer. It's an impossible right. question to answer right now because we obviously want to retain surprises. But um, seeing Gamora in that environment would raise the possibility that she exists in some fashion and could return in some fashion. What would you in say In that childhood that? state? Well, in, in oh. whatever. She, yeah. she I think seems... it's a reflection of her spirit. Okay. Right? And that the, uh, the power required to use all of the stones at once is so significant that it, it sends Thanos into this dream state. And uh, you'll notice, I think you see the film, it's, it, his arm is damaged post the snap. The gauntlet is damaged post the snap. It's the incredible energy required from it. And only because of his strength uh, um, uh, is he able to uh, survive mm. actually using the gauntlet in that capacity. But it does create this cathartic moment for him. So a couple couple moments that have appeared in, in toys or trailers or whatever mm-hmm. the people have mentioned. Um, one seemingly significant one is uh, the Hulk burster armor as a, a mm-hmm. Bruce a Banner seeming to turn into the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was shot for this film that you decided to change? Was that something that... What we can consi- here's the thing is like part as part of our process we do consider a lot of possibilities and that is um, we do that in the script phase we do that in the shooting phase we do that in the editing phase we do we do uh, explore because uh, because these movies are hard and the thing is you have so many different characters in them we always want to make sure that we are finding the best arc for every single character in the ensemble. So we do play with a lot of different ideas as we go through the process. We went on a journey of discovery with that Banner character. I mean, he's a a really interesting character. He's a Jekyll and Hyde character. There are two beings um, that are battling over control of a host body. Uh, that's a unique story. It sets him apart from anyone else in the universe because of that. And, they, and these two beings hate each other right. uh, and, uh, and don't like helping each other. Um, uh, and uh, we thought it would be more interesting to explore Banner as a hero than Banner as someone who whines to get you know, help from his alter ego who he dislikes. Mm. Uh, um, so we thought it would be a more interesting choice to take him down a path where the Hulk is not interested in helping him anymore, that these two have reached an impasse. 
uh, with each other. And, uh, and Banner has to uh, rise to the occasion. So is that because of that initial battle with Thanos? Is like Hulk scared? Like what, is it's there a, I think people have interpreted that Hulk's yeah. scared. I mean, certainly that's not a... I, I don't know that the Hulk ever... He's had his ass kicked before. <laughs> sure. You know, but... Uh, and he loves a good fight. But I think that it's really reflective of the journey from Ragnarok is that these two characters you know, are constantly in conflict with each other over control. Right. And, uh, and I think if the Hulk were to say why, it's like, you know, the Banner, Banner uh, only wants Hulk for fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, I, think he's, uh, I think he's had enough right. of, uh, of saving Banner's ass. I think sometimes you see the disconnect that you're, ta- that you're referencing with toys or, or trailers or whatever the case may be because, you know, the, the, the work on those has to start so early in the process that it kind of pre- predates where we arrive the script or you know even yeah we did things that we're talking about in the outline phase from a year prior to the movie got it there's also like what would seem to be like a money shot in the trailer Mm -hmm. of uh cap leading the charge seemingly in wakanda um is that something that okay a you cut out b we're gonna still see c you did as a misdirect in the trailer for whatever reason i mean we 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 use all the material that we have at our disposal to create a trailer we look at a trailer as a very different experience than the movie and i think that audiences are so predictive now that you have to be very smart about how you craft a trailer because an audience can watch a trailer and basically tell you what's going to happen in the film you know we've seen we consume too much content uh, so, you know, at our disposal are lots of different shots that aren't in the movie uh, uh, that we can manipulate through CG to tell a story that we want to tell in a trailer. For that, the trailer. For, specifically for the purpose of the trailer and not for the film. Like, that, for instance, that shot that you're referencing was never in the movie in the version that you saw of Got the it. trailer. That was, it was we, never even created for the movie in that version. Huh. It was literally created in that version for the trailer. Yeah. Got it. it. What about the line that Thanos has in the trailers about, you know, having fun and never, uh, you know, the, having fun is not an anticipated byproduct of this. Uh, that was a, uh, that was a scripted line from the movie yep. that uh, we replaced with another line that we thought was a little bit more specific to his storytelling mm-hmm. with Gamora. I think he used to say that on nowhere to, uh, to Gamora when he emerged from, uh, the reality cloak as the ether exposed him. Got it. Uh, and, uh, and I think we, we changed it to something that's a little more specific to the storytelling. The, the, you know, there, one, there are several reunions and reunions to come in, in this film and the next film. Um, Bruce and Nat have a moment, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an underplayed moment. There's, mm-hmm. there's very little dialogue there. Was there anything any more scripted? Did it feel like, again, you're serving 25 characters, whatever. So it, it's the necessity of the storytelling. But, um, did that feel like the the moment it needed to be? Did it feel like that? Was there different versions of that? We, what we, the pace of yeah. the film is, yeah. We explored, yeah. we explored, definitely explored the idea of going uh, deeper into that relationship. Um, but one thing we lo- loved about the movie, and we tried to structure it this way from the get-go, is we wanted a rel- relentless pace. We loved the idea that Thanos was just one step ahead of them at any given moment, and they were doing everything they could to try to keep up. And that the nature of that propulsive narrative made it difficult, not just as us, us as storytellers, but also I think as for the characters themselves to have such a moment that you're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something that's still hanging out there. And it's been two years. I think that they both have processed that relationship in their own ways. And, you know, while there may be um, um, still a... a uh, you know, they, they, they may still relate to one another. They, I think they've moved past it. Got it. Uh, and we felt like, you know, that we could deal with it 
uh, and just a, a nod and a look to, uh, to each got, other. You've got good actors who can convey yes. a lot in that, exactly. that moment. Yeah. Uh, maybe the most burning question, Scarlet Witch's accent. Mm-hmm. What do we have to say about this? She's just well, acclimating to... No, we have intentionally tried to... And that's true. Yeah, she is acclimating. We have intentionally tried to strip that accent away for a couple of reasons. One is you'll notice at the beginning of Civil War that that Black Widow is training her how to be a spy. And two, she has now been on the run. And one of the most distinguishing characteristics uh, that she has is her accent. Right. So if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna try to disguise yourself or hide yourself or you know not not be uh, caught, you're going to try to limit those uh, just those trigger warnings that uh, would make it easy for someone to identify you, which uh, would be inclusive of her accent. Uh, clearly. Uh, um, you know, Black Widow's a redhead uh, is uh, is a incredibly distinguishing characteristic for her. That's why she has blonde hair. Cap, you know, we've seen Chris Evans walk around in public with a beard and a mustache, and nobody recognizes him. So, you know, the, the simple things you can do to your appearance mm. that just although take, not anymore for yeah, <laughs> yeah. but take about ninety percent of your your visibility away. Right. You know, and for us. Uh, it was very intentional that we would just keep stripping that accent down to show her uh, acclimating and hiding. Um, your post-credit scene uh, is uh, tantalizing in that you know it, it cues up a character we were very excited to see, and she's going to get her own film before we can see Avengers for Captain Marvel. Was there ever? A thought, discussion, anything of actually seeing her in that, or was that the extent of in, a, in Infinity War yeah. in the trailer? No, yeah. Yeah. no. we would save a review. Yeah, for save it. a review. We also wanted to, you know, it was very important to us to very. We wanted to commit to this ending very hard. You know, we didn't want to go past the ending very much. Uh, and we considered not doing any tags. Yeah, for that reason. I thought maybe it was too brutal. You know, everything's about trying to find balance. <laughs> There's a theme here, definitely. Yes. Um, can you say how integral that character is to your your next film? I mean, all these characters are. We, we, it's hard to talk about the next one. Yep. We're going to keep that one. We're going to protect the secrets of that one as much as we did of this one. Uh, she, uh, but she look. Yeah. She will be a part of the MCU at that point, and and you know, again, part of the promise of these movies is that they are a a road forward for all the films. Is there a sequence you can pinpoint in this film that changed most dramatically from the script that you Hmm. arrived on set with? That's very interesting because, you know, it it would be easy to point to it in Civil War, like the the airport sequence in Civil War was a a sequence that changed a lot as we continue to work on it through prep production and then all the way through post there's a lot of improvisation in the movie i would say that you know that uh, a lot of the scene between uh, um, pratt and hemsworth was improvised uh, on set and it's an evolving our process of improvisation is we we shoot the script for two or three takes then we'll go off script for two or three takes mm. and then we'll try to take the best pieces that we've discovered uh, and and reshape them back into a narrative, and then do two or three more takes. Yeah. So, um, a lot of that uh, first meeting between um, Thor and the Guardians was uh, a lot of interplay between uh, Pratt Hemsworth and, and Batista. Imp- improvised quite a bit on the movie as well. Um, you, you many of the Marvel films end with you know kind of the the tag the. Captain America will return, et cetera, will return. This, you've got Thanos. <laughs> so, it's his movie. Sometimes you can hear the ooh. I know. I felt it. If you don't hear it, you feel it. Yeah. Um, is he, again, I know you don't want to go too much of detail. Is he your protagonist in the next film? Well, again, we, yeah, we don't want to go into detail with it, but, uh, um, you know, he was certainly the protagonist in this film. Uh, well, he had the protagonist arc in the movie. Right. 
Uh, now you know it's uh, he's survived. He won. Of it, he's yeah. still alive in the MCU. Yeah. So. Uh, m- many have noted, and you guys are too smart for this to be an accident. That uh, in part we're left with the core original Avengers. Mm, yeah. Interesting. For <laughs> <laughs> the first time you've considered this, <laughs> you don't really. Wow. You're yeah. <laughs> um, that's ca- that's a compelling idea, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when you're bringing this all to a close. <laughs> <laughs> but it does well yes I, okay I don't know how to get more out of you than that yeah. but it does strike me as you know as an amateur you know lover of, of, of movies and, and and story structure um, in particular I think of like you know uh, cap Thor and Tony Stark and their arcs through their their individual films and their Avengers films and it seems like um, it, you know, my guess, and you can confirm or deny or ignore, is that we're, we are seeing sort of the ultimate end of their arcs by the end of your next film. I mean, you know, this film pointedly, it seems like Tony talks about marriage and having a family. Mm-hmm. Thor, we've talked about, has been stripped away of everything. Cap is, um, He's com- insurgent now. Com- yeah. is coming out of exile and maybe yeah. trying to find his new life. Um, is it safe to say that? we are headed towards some resolution for those three characters in particular. Yeah. I mean, we describe it as that, you know, again, if this is the first decade of this, of Marvel universe was been, is a book. These are the final chapters of the book. Yeah. A new book will be written beyond this book, but uh, certainly there's, there's going to be some endings and some new beginnings. Yeah. You, even for those three characters, I mean, we handle every one of them differently. Everybody is on their own journey and everyone is at a different point in that journey. And, for some, it, like Joe said, it may be an end. Yeah. For some, it's a new beginning. We have to. See. Here's something I feel like you, you you can confirm for me in that Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, um, doesn't have a change of heart and fall in love with Tony and Peter so much that he gives up the Time Stone. He has given up the Time Stone because of that one in fourteen million eventuality. That would seem to be a safe assumption to make. It would, I always liked about strange as a kid when I was reading the comics is that there was uh, his, his mysticism and a sense of spirituality and that he seemed to know something that other people didn't. Uh, and I think that um, we certainly tried to infuse this, the character with that mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, you know, one of the things I wrestled with the first time I saw it and it's like, a, it's a, it's a byproduct of the world we live in now is, um, Black Panther just made a gajillion dollars and mm-hmm. ostensibly he's going to get a sequel or two. We know there's a Spider-Man movie coming a couple months after your film next year. Is there? <laughs> well, I think somebody's announced that. I'm pretty sure I need to go back to my notes. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess, my question. Is this, does this present a, a market, even more of a marketing challenge for you and, and your friends over at, at Marvel going to this next film? Um, how do you show characters that we may or may not be dead forever or not and have movies coming out, et cetera? Well, well, here's the thing. Like, again, one of the magic things about Marvel is, um, you know, anything is possible, you know? And I, I think it's important to remember and to think about, this is something that we try to do as storytellers, and, and I know that Marvel values highly, is that, you know, there are many different ways you can go. There are many different stories you can tell, many different directions. You know, time doesn't always flow in one direction. You know, you can, you can go backwards in time. You can go forwards in time. You can, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great variety of things. You know, Okoye could become the Black Panther. There, there are all kinds of possibilities. Sure, he could become the Black Panther. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, sure you can. You know. So anyway, that I think all you do when you shake things up like this is that you sort of put the responsibility on the storytellers to come up with creative solutions mm. that are going to be as exciting or more exciting than the possibility uh, existed before. And I think one thing we've illustrated since we got involved with the Marvel Universe and that I think a direction that we've been pushing it in is that there, there are real costs. There are real costs involved. And, uh, and those costs always balance out in some way. Um, we're not going to see Adam Warlock, though. Can we confirm that? We can confirm that. Okay. He's not, he's not part of... Our job is to tell the story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not the comics. And we've never been interested in a direct interpretation of a comic book because you already know the story. Um, one reunion we don't get to see yeah. uh, is uh, Tony and Cap. feels like there's more to be played out in that relationship. So there were say. ramifications from Civil War. The Avengers actually never are all together. Right. And that, that may have cost that's, them, that's part that may have of, cost them the, the battle. problem in this movie. Yeah. You know. hmm. Maybe if they finally just put aside their differences and came together, they could finally get this shit done, guys. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Is it Avengers 4 yeah. getting shit done? Is that <laughs> they, the title? <laughs> you know, they... They have Who a told pretty, you? They have, yeah. they have a pretty pretty serious axe to grind still with one another. So, yeah. unfinished business. Okay, uh, it, uh, you know, Feige said that almost more has been made of the Avengers Four title than almost should be or need be. Is that is that fair to say? Is it? Is it it's a title. It's, I mean, I think it's a title. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. Yes. <laughs> everything with the with the fans, which is great about this universe, is that it, everything is studied. Everything has meaning. Uh, if you do go back and you look at the film a second or third time, you will find lots of you know tidbits and little pieces of information that have been breadcrumbs that have been laid for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, titles can also be a, a real source of a, a debate and, um, and frankly can, can lead you towards what the narrative is. And we're trying to keep people away from what that narrative is. We just wanted them to focus on this one. We don't want them knowing where it's going next. And we're going to take our time revealing what that title can, is. Can you say if it comes from the comics? In we, we cannot. It, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, is, it is based in, 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 the, in, the, in the experience that, that people have had up to this point. And we just, again, like Joe said, it's just... It's we want part of the Marvel Cinematic keep Universe here, experience. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If I look at this film, Infinity War, I, I feel like I can boil down this theme of this film to like a few words. Like, you know, it's, it's about balance, it's about sacrifice. Um, is, that, like, is there a line or word or moment in the film that does was the thematic... Um, underlying point of this film for you that felt like it was your thing you kept pointing to i mean we we did hang on to uh for a while you know the 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 strongest choices uh the hardest choices required the strongest wills Mm. was uh, sort of pivotal for a lot of ways just because again we wanted to ennoble thanos in some ways we wanted to we wanted to find the hero in thanos and the idea that he was sacrificing for a goal that he considered altruistic and that it took strength and it was hard for him to do. It was just sort of like there was something very uh, endearing about sort of flipping that filter Mm. onto a villain. That that line applies to all the heroes in the film as well. I mean, you look at what Gamora asked Quill to do. Uh, You look at what Doctor Strange says he's going to do. If uh, if it comes if the choice becomes uh, the stone or or Tony or, well, strange or, or Peter Parker corrects Thanos and says I think you'll find our will stronger than yours yeah so. the uh, the I think the uh, you know the theme of the movie 
is um, what is it, what does it cost to be a hero in a complicated world or a world where there are no easy answers? And does the value of doing what's right outweigh the cost? And, and should it? And it does. Uh, and so that that really is the essential line of the film. Is there anything you can say thematically about the, the next one that wouldn't ruin anything for fans in terms of what about the next one? Not, not really. It's just so hard to. Plus, we just you know we're starting work on it on Monday. You know, we we shot it. It's in the can, but we have a lot of work to do on yeah. it. These movies evolve as you as you edit them. So it's just yeah. it's always better for us to wait until we have a frame of reference well, to an, talk about it. There's a there's an adage, you know, a movie adage that we love that says you you know you make a, a movie three times over. Right. Once when you write it, once when you shoot it, once when you edit it. We haven't edited that movie at all yet, so we still have that whole incarnation of the movie to realize and frankly we haven't even completed even though we shot the majority of the movie we haven't shot all the movie got it yeah and in the fourth time once after you yell at sebastian stan for talking about shooting <laughs> right. a scene with michelle pfeiffer and people that we have no idea how they could possibly be in the next avengers yeah. movie right yeah. i think he was drunk when he said <laughs> that, that. <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> um god bless sebastian god bless. he's amazing he's amazing so you do have a few sequences uh, some shooting left to be done on this next yeah. one we do. We have some work uh, to go back and do. We always do. I mean, it's you know, it's an iterative process making these movies, and we constantly revise as yeah. we go. And you know, these these two films in particular are, have no template. Uh, there's nothing you can look back to, and it's not like a muscle that you could have developed over ten years. Right. It's you know, you have to watch it and go, okay, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. We better fix that. And this, we can turn up the gas here emotionally. And this. You know, there's a, we just thought of a better storytelling idea. Let's go fix that. And yeah. so you need the cameras and the cast to do that sometimes. Um, did, I would imagine you had a unique vantage point being part of the Disney family and making a film like this, seeing how Last Jedi was mm -hmm. uh, accepted or not accepted by some fans. It was right. a very divisive film that I, I personally have gone on record and loving. Um, but it also took some major chances and, sure. and, and pushed the audience. And I think that mm -hmm. I, I would argue that's why it is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious. Did you have a perspective on 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 that film uh, in terms of how the audience reacted to it, given what you? Yeah, were? I mean, you know, look, audiences are very vocal, and the advent of social media, they become even more vocal. And uh, and I do think that that is part of the process now of making movies is that we're interconnected and that information can flow within seconds yeah. around the world. Uh, and that opinions and voices can be heard within seconds from around the world. So uh, part of what we Part of why we like making these movies is because we like telling communal stories. We grew up in a large Italian family. We, we like that process of feeling connected uh, to people all over the globe. And we love taking these movies on press tours because it's when we finally get out of a dark room with our editor and get to interact yeah. with the fans. And being fans, you know, we want, we want to share this because, you know, we create stories that that we love watching, and then we hope other people are gonna love watching as well. So, it, you know, I think that there's a contract now between filmmaker and, and, fan, and the fans yeah. that, uh, that this is a, uh, a communal process and that we're all gonna share in it together. As fans, I know you're as intrigued as I am and as many about the potential Fox merger and what that means for um, you know, X-Men, Fantastic Four, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, I think, uh, uh, 
interest and love of Wolverine, like many. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Wolverine at this point, though? Coming off of what like Mangold just did. What could you do with Peter Parker after two? Uh, okay, that's you know, fair. That's, that's fair. sort of a. I think there's always new stories to tell. It doesn't mean that you know that maybe it's. 10 years before the next Wolverine story, who knows? And somebody's going to come attack me now for saying that. But, you know, there's always a path forward if there's a story worth telling. Right. Uh, and I think what another thing that we appreciate about Marvel is that they're very good at uh, making sure there's a story to tell before committing to it. Mm. And frankly, there's a lot of IP that's, you know, that, that can be mined. There's thousands of Marvel characters, and maybe there's a new direction to go in. Is, the, is there a character underserved either in the MCU or, or on the Fox side that feels like, um, through nobody's fault, that just feels like... I think we all agree that the Fantastic Four, you know, needs its... its um, you know, the, the correct story told. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, you know, characters that were important to me as a child, Ben Grimm was a, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorites too. Uh, and I think, um, I think that there is a, uh, there's a version of that film yeah. and that, that, that world, um, that, uh, that still needs to be told. I remember Peyton Reed way back when was going to do, I think he was going to do a period one. I think he was going to do ones out of the sixties. Yeah. That's really interesting. But now if you were to bring them into the, uh, the right. Marvel universe, they'd all be quite old. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, that is also one of the, by the way, the intriguing things of sort of how this is all played out are kind of like, and Captain Marvel started to do this is fill in the gaps. Yeah. It's kind of those unexplored years. I mean, you could, mm-hmm. you know, if one wanted to, you could even do the last couple of years of Cap and Nat, you know, on the run and mm-hmm. those adventures, obviously yeah. Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, it would be intriguing to see what adventurous young filmmaker wants to make of that if they do. There's a thousand different directions. Yeah, maybe those stories will get told. Maybe there's a medium to tell them in. You yeah. know, I think that we live in a constantly evolving uh, um world right now where technology is advancing storytelling in a way that we've never seen before and I think this young generation this generation in particular is more facile yeah than we've ever seen and I think craves more immersive storytelling than we've ever seen and I think uh, you know two hour uh, um, two-dimensional projection of stories has had a nice hundred year run but I, I have a suspicion that 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 may be evolving into something else over the next two decades um, I'm going to let you go in a second, I promise. Are there any scenes on the, on the cutting room floor of uh, Hawkeye and Ant-Man just sitting around watching the world's events when they're, when they're <laughs> from their house arrest? Yeah. <laughs> huh, maybe yeah. we should, maybe we should mowing, leave. Mowing the lawn. Yeah. 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 No, we're, they'll, they'll handle They'll Bar- be fine. Barbecuing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we never saw them. There was nothing shot of them. No, nothing no, was shot of them. Nothing was shot of them. They, and they, they, it was a specific, specific story choice. Yeah. Why? Yeah. 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 There's a, uh, you know, we have a really interesting story cooked up uh, for both those characters. And uh, and part of that story uh, um, required they uh, they be under house arrest for. Uh, have you seen Ant Man and the Wasp yet? Not we yet. Have not. We're no. psyched to see it. Yeah. Solo, soon. come on, the Disney yeah. folks have to see. We haven't seen Solo either, but we, I think they've we, been working really hard. Yeah. On that, I mean, they might. You know, we we went up to the wire turning in our film. I'm sure they're going past the wire to turn. Right. Yeah, turn in that <laughs> but film. we did just get the invite to the premiere, which I'm nice. extremely yeah, excited. Membership about. has yeah. its privileges. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Disney yeah. family, right? Yeah. And finally, you, you've definitely been offered a Star Wars film. I mean, this makes no sense to me. It, uh, being part of the Disney family, making these films that have made them so much money. Uh, and also creative, when satisfying, 
what's the holdup? You're making a Star Wars movie at some point. I think we were, you know, we've just been part of the Marvel Universe, and I think they're very respectful of, of Kevin and the Marvel Universe. And, you know, when we're done telling stories in Marvel, then, you know, then is there the opportunity to maybe go tell some other stories? And, you know, we've, we've, we've not hidden the fact that Star Wars was a seminal experience right. for us like it was for everyone else, and that, you know, the day Empire Strikes, Strikes Back came out, I sat in a theater from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. and watched it back to back to back to back. Uh, so, you know, we, I think we, uh, we appreciate that, that universe as much as anyone. The question would be, can we find a story to tell yeah. in it and what is it? And, you know, and this is, these movies are really hard to make as the Star Wars movies are, yeah. as you can imagine. And, um, you know, when we deliver Avengers 4 a year from now, we will have worked with Marvel nonstop on these four films for seven straight years. So, and I mean, that has required a complete immersion on our part yeah. in, into what, into our work there. And so, uh, you know, that's a, that's a part of it as well. Well, like Empire, you've traumatized the uh, uh, millions of young people. Congratulations yeah, in the best possible way. It's I heartbreaking. Think. We <laughs> had a, we had to grow up sometime kids. Yeah. Uh, we had a Q and a, um, <laughs> we had a Q and a last week where, uh, the first question came from a 10 year old boy who, 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 it, through teary-eyed, asked us, uh, you know, uh, why, why did we kill Spider-Man? So, uh, uh, and um, it was, uh, it was, a, there's it was an awkward. There's call. no, an, there's no answer. <laughs> there's no answer to that. Yeah. Cut the cue and cut the mic <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> we ran uh, off stage. Yeah. Um, once again, congratulations on the film. I hope this was therapeutic. It was for me. This yeah. was for us. Talk I, about this are thing. you kidding me? It's like it's been so hard for us for so long not to talk about it. It's a, it's been a pleasure. And it's the ones it. protecting the secrets the hardest. It's oh, yeah. also it's. Nice now that people have seen the film, so you can actually have a conversation with them. No, I was very much yeah. looking forward to this, and thanks for your uh, honesty and as being as forthright as you can be in the circumstances. And uh, hopefully, we can continue the conversation a year from now. Thanks, man. I right, look forward Appreciate to it. it. Thank thanks, you, guys. Appreciate it. We did it. Great, lot of lovely. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>